This is Jalen, and you're listening to the Firm Foundation Church Podcast, where you'll get weekly episodes featuring your favorite sermons straight from our in-person Sunday morning services. Check it out. So here we go. We're going to jump into today's series that is entitled From This Day Forward. And so our desire for you as we're stepping through this series is marriage and relationships. They're difficult. They're oftentimes messy and there's different things we have to work through. And so for those of you that are hoping to be married one day and maybe you're navigating a relationship, uh, our desire is to hopefully help you in preparing for marriage one day and to give you some tools that will help you as you uh, pursue a relationship and in hopes to hopefully marry that person one day. And for those of you that are married, we're trying to help come alongside of you and say, hey, marriage is difficult, it's hard, it's messy, but we as the church are going to walk alongside of you and support you uh, in those marriages. And so that's what we're trying to do as we work through this series. Uh, you know, what we've discovered is that the odds are stacked against us when it comes to marriage. Uh, there are 50% odds out there, maybe even higher uh, uh, right now, that your marriage will end in divorce. And so we are saying we don't, uh, we're not okay with those odds. Uh, us as the church, as people of faith, uh, we believe that we can have marriages that last, but not just marriages that last or, or just get by, but that are thriving, that are full of life. Uh, and so that's what we're kind of working through and asking God to give us the grace and strength that we need in order to navigate the relationships around us. And so we're going to jump right back into this series as we are in week three uh, from this day forward. So let's pray and ask the Lord to come and speak to us today. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you so much for being here with us during worship. And Lord, now we ask that you come to speak to us. Lord, would you give us ears to hear you today? Lord, would you give us eyes to see the things that you're wanting us to discover and that you're wanting to highlight and point out to us today? Lord, we're asking that you give us minds to be able to understand and comprehend all it is that you're up to in our life. And Lord, we are asking for hearts that are full of compassion for each other, for a world around us that's in need. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and speak to us today in such a real and powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So through this series, we are looking at five key commitments that we believe can help fail-proof any marriage. And so in week one, we started with the most foundational of these commitments, and we made the commitment and talked about how we are going to make a decision to seek God in our marriages. And so that's the very first commitment that we made in our marriages, that if we will seek God, then in our marriages and together, if we will pray together and seek God together, then He will help us navigate the rest of the areas of our marriages. And then last week, we began to kind of unwrap the second commitment that we want to make in our marriages. And it's this, that we are going to fight fair. We are going to fight fair. Here's the reality of what we talked about. All couples fight. Yes? Yep. Absolutely. We fight. It's difficult. Some of you probably even fought on the way here to church. Uh, you know, some of you were telling your husbands how to drive and that started a fight. Uh, you know, there was kids being noisy in the background and you start throwing stuff at them. Would you hush? You know, most likely you might have even gotten an argument on the way here. That's part of navigating any relationship. But here's something I want you to understand. It's healthy couples fight fair 
And unhealthy couples don't fight fair. They throw low jabs and punches and accusations and things at each other that does not help. Uh, We looked at a study last week by a man named Dr. John Gottman. And he studied studied marriages for over 16 years whenever he put out this report. But uh, something that he discovered is that he can predict with 91% accuracy at whether a marriage is going to last or end in divorce based on how they fight, based on how they navigate conflict. And so here's the thing that we know, fighting and conflict is going to happen, but how you navigate it is so key and important. You know, we talked about how conflict can actually strengthen any relationship or a marriage, but you cannot fight dirty and throw low blows, but you've got to fight fair. And so here's kind of the key verse that we are looking at as we're studying this uh, uh, commitment in our marriages to fight fair. And it comes out of James 1, verses 19 and 20. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. And so from this passage of scripture, we highlighted three key things that we believe are God's rules for fighting fair in any relationship, but especially in marriage. And so here's the three points that we talked about last week. The first one was this, stop to listen carefully. Secondly, to guard your words faithfully. And then thirdly, to handle your anger righteously. And so as I was preparing last week's message, what I realized is I had way more content that I could preach in the short amount of time that we had together. And so today we're going to talk about fight fair part two. All right, so you guys ready for that? We're going to buckle down and talk about the second part of the importance of fighting fear. Uh, So last week, we looked at those first three application points that we just talked about. Today, I want to give us three more that's going to help us in fighting fear through God's lens, through his perspective. But before we continue with the next three, I want to point out a few other things to you real quick. And uh, these were some things that Dr. Gottman also laid out in his study that he released on marriages that were things that were kind of tells in any relationship to let you know if it's kind of gotten to the place where it's now toxic. Uh, if it's kind of gotten to the place where if you don't start making changes and get help now, it's probably not going to end well. And so these are four key tells uh, that Dr. Gottman laid out in his study. And here they are. I don't have a lot of time to go into these, but I wanted to touch on these real briefly. Uh, the first one is the this first sign that you aren't fighting fear is this, is that you've gotten to the place of where you're criticizing your, your significant other. Uh, your spouse, your your friend. You've gotten to this place of where you're criticizing. You know, you're not just pointing out uh, and having a complaint about something, but you've gotten to the place where you're starting to accuse them, uh, that you are now attacking them. And it's not just saying, hey, this is something we've got to work on over here, but it's, hey, you're messed up. Uh, We kind of get to this next level of where we're at in the relationship and it's not good because we're aggravated and we say, you never remember anything and you cannot be counted on. Uh, That can be our response when we get to this place of criticizing. Uh, The second one is contempt. 
Contempt often happens in, uh, in relationships where you're frustrated, annoyed at what's going on. And, and so your go-to response or, or a lot of times these nonverbal things that you, that you put out in any relationship, like, uh, sneering at them. Sarcasm starts to come out. Name calling starts to come out. You begin to roll your eyes and some hostile humor and jokes start to come out, but they're not really jokes at all because you're just trying to poke. And so that's where contempt can start to come in in any relationship. Uh, Thirdly is defensiveness, is that we can often be defensive as we're bringing up different things in any relationship. That can be our go-to response. And really what that's about is we don't take any responsibility for what's being said, but instead we want to throw other things right back in their face because we we do not want to receive or or maybe even say, you're probably right here in, in that circumstance or that conversation. And so we get defensive. And then fourthly is this response of stonewalling. And now this is for most of us men, and this will also apply to women in here, but about 85% of men is what Dr. Gottman said, will struggle with this as a wrong sign or response that is happening uh, in any relationship. And so you just kind of get to this place of where you don't have anything else to say. You're done. You're checked out. And they might keep wanting to engage in conversation, but you just kind of stonewall and refuse to go any further in the conversation. And so these are four signs that you or your spouse is not fighting fair in a relationship. You know, if we're honest, all of us at some point or another are guilty of one of these four. I can say that I have seen throughout my 23 years of marriage that at some point I've dealt with all four of these. And if this remains a constant and a consistent, then this is a sign for you to say, we've got to get some help. This isn't okay. And so as you look at these four this morning, can you identify and say, yep, I can see myself responding in criticism, uh, in contempt, in being defensive or just refusing to stop to talk and I'm now stonewalling. If that's you, then make sure that you take a moment to identify it. And then secondly, here's what I want you to do with your spouse immediately. When you get in the car and are headed home, I want you to say, you know what? I can see how I have been responding in this way and I am making a commitment today to do it differently. I think it's important that we take time to identify that in our own life. And if you don't know if you're struggling, begin to ask yourself that question. And then uh, if you'll even take it to the next level, maybe ask your spouse, am I being critical? You know, am I responding in contempt or am I being overly defensive or have I just kind of shut down and become this stone wall and I'm not, I'm not engaging in conversation with you and more anymore. And make sure you take some time to do that in a moment where you're not wrapped up in conflict. Right, set some time aside to work on your marriage. Just you, just like we have to grow in any area of our life. Uh, take time to grow in your marriage, and take time to have conversations and not times of non-confrontation regarding these things. Now, if you aren't responding in this way, but maybe your spouse or significant other is responding in this way, once again, in a moment of non-conflict, gracefully say, "Hey, I've been noticing." that this has been your kind of your go-to response when we're in the middle of conflict. And graciously bring that up to them and that will give them the opportunity to respond in the right way or the wrong way. 
But it's important that we recognize it and point it out so that we can hopefully grow in the relationship. And if they'll recognize it and make improvements, man, then that's a win in your marriage. That's a win in your relationship. However, if they refuse to recognize it, if they refuse to make any improvements, then it's time to call out and get some help. It's time to ask a close family member to come in and help you, a close friend, maybe a a licensed counselor that can help you navigate some things that aren't going correctly uh, in your relationship. But listen, uh, allowing someone to continue with these types of responses in a marriage is not okay for you, and it's definitely not okay for them. And so make sure you take some time to reach out and get some help. Four signs that you aren't fighting fair, you're criticizing, you're filled with contempt, You're now being defensive and you're stonewalling. All right, let's keep moving forward now to to God's rules for fighting fear. And so here's number four that we're going to look at today. And it's this, do not react in emotion, but respond in the spirit. It isn't that easy. In the middle of an argument, to not respond out of emotion, but to respond by the guiding and leading of God the Father. <laughs> no, this part is so not easy. It's, it's so difficult because in a moment of, of tension and, and frustration, our go-to responses are often emotional. We start throwing jabs at each other and we'll do whatever we can to hopefully win the argument that we're, uh, whoever it is that's across the table from us. But we as believers and in our faith-based marriages, we've got to make a decision and respond in a different way. We don't want to have those 50% odds of our relationship and marriage not making it, but we want to have higher odds. And with the grace of God, He can help us in that. And so we need to respond in the way of being led by the Spirit. Uh, There's an interesting story in Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm not going to take time to read it to you now, but you can go back and and study this later on your own. But it's in Exodus 4. Uh, There's a story about God almost killing Moses. Uh, God was frustrated with him because he wasn't responding. The thing that God had asked him to do was to circumcise his son. But for whatever reason, Moses refused to do it. But luckily, his wife had the wits to do something differently. And so Zephora jumps in and she circumcises her son in a swift act in order to save Moses' life. Uh, You know, we cannot underestimate the importance of at least one of us in the marriage, one of us as a spouse, being led by God's Spirit. Uh, It's so important. And so let's just be honest for a moment. We all have bad dates. And sometimes we're both in a bad place, but sometimes one of us is in a bad place and the other of us is in a good place. And so it's so important that we help each other, uh, that we try to do our best not to respond out of emotion. But there's going to be times when you uh, both are, and, and that's the ultimate goal. But at least one of you needs to be spirit-led. And so you make the choice as best as you can to to be in tune with God's spirit so that you can help you and your spouse through whatever season you're in. Uh, This past week, Christina had strep throat. uh, So she was pretty out of it for for several days. And so this gave me the opportunity as her husband and significant other to say, you know what? It's okay that you're down, that you're out. I'm going to make a choice and I'm going to step up and carry a little bit more responsibility this week. And so, you know what, guys? I did more dishes than I typically do. 
I took care of making sure the kids uh, got to the homeschool co-op where they go in because Christina couldn't. She needed to go to the doctor. Uh, you know, I did my part to try to step up and to do whatever I can uh, to help her. And that's the great thing about there being two. Because when one's down, the other one is there to pick them up. And so we need to make that commitment that we are each other's backup. And so if your spouse is having a hard time spiritually, help carry them through that season. But maybe you could lean in and get a word for both of you for the season of life that you're in. You step up and, and be that one. You know, and when you're struggling, make sure you're honest with your spouse about it. Tell them like, hey, I am going through a really difficult time here. Hey, for whatever reason, I cannot hear the voice of God. And so I'm asking you to, to help me hear his voice. Be honest with each other. Have those conversations. And the most important part of any marriage, we talked about this. This is our very first commitment, is that God is at the foundation of it. And so in all that we're doing, we're making this decision that we're going to seek him first. He is going to be our one while we are walking in relationship with our two, we're waiting for our number two. And so we've got to discipline ourselves and each other past those moments and seasons of difficulty. And so remind each other, this spiritual element is the most important because we want to be led by God's spirit. Uh, I love what Galatians chapter five says regarding this in verses 16 and 17. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what, uh, of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. And then down in verse 25, it says this, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And so I want to challenge you as, as married couples to, to make this part of, of your life and being led by God's Spirit in your marriage and not just reacting in emotion. All right, fifthly, here's God's fifth rule for, for fighting fear. Confront to heal and never to win. Confront to heal and never to win. And then we talked about this a little bit a moment ago, you know, under the signs that maybe you're not fighting fair, but make sure that your heart and motives are in check when you confront your spouse or, or anyone else in any other kind of relationship. Double check your motives behind confronting them. <laughs> Uh, you know, that the focus has got to be on this healing aspect of things. It's, it's not to tear them down so that your way and, and the, what you want to happen is, is kind of the thing that is seen in the conversation or the fight. But make sure to check yourself and say, am I really confronting this person because I want things to get better? Because I want to get better, because I want us to get better. And so that is, should be the goal is for growth. Uh, you have to ask, will my response bring growth and health to them? And then you need to look at yourself and say, is there something I can gain from what they have to say? 
You know, even if I want to defend myself or I'm doing my best not to get offended here, you know, what ultimately will bring growth, not only in my own life, but will also bring health in our joint relationship. You know, Scripture talks about us being iron that sharpens iron. And that's brothers and sisters in Christ, but that's also in marriage. You should be making each other better. You should be sharpening one another. And so ask the Holy Spirit for that so that when you have to confront things and address different things in your marriage, that it's not to tear the person down, but it's to sharpen them. It's to make them better and your marriage better and your family better. You know, experts say, this is kind of a leadership principle. We're looking at several different leadership principles throughout this series uh, that we can also apply to our marriages. Uh, But experts will tell you anytime you have to confront uh, an employee or someone that you oversee, that you should identify five things that they're doing well whenever you need to bring correction to one area that they're not doing well. And so we need to apply this in our marriages. Uh, Before you go and confront your spouse, identify five things that they are doing well. And then right there in the middle of that conversation, sandwich the one that needs to improve. uh, The one that could get better. You know, if you really want to be heard, make sure you do this well. Do this authentically. Be sincere about it. Put some thought into it. Don't uh, don't be trite or lazy about it, but uh, just be honest and open and vulnerable and identify those things that they're doing well. First Peter 3, 8 through 10 tells us this. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessings. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Man, let's make sure in our marriages that if there's any area that we need to address, once again, that we're setting up some time, not in the middle of a conflict, but in a moment where we can take some time to work on our marriages to address these things, to point out the five things that's going well, and then to identify the one thing that needs to be worked on and improved. And I hope some of you guys did that this past week because that was part of your homework uh, at the end of last week's marriage. If you forgot to do that or didn't do that, identify three things that are going well and three things that could improve uh, in your marriage. All right. So when you confront, do it in order to heal the relationship and never to win the argument. And here is the sixth rule for fighting fair. And it's this, forgive and apologize. I'll just let that one sink in for a moment. (laughs) Forgive and apologize. This one's going to be hard for some of us in here because we never like to say, I'm sorry. We never heard it growing up and we kind of refuse to, to admit that we were wrong. And so this can be a very difficult one in any relationship that you're navigating Uh, but especially it can be hard in marriage. Here's the three hardest things that I believe uh, that any of us could ever say. The first one's this, I'm sorry. The, The second one is I was wrong. And the third one is Worcester sauce. 
I believe these are probably three of the hardest things that you will ever say in life. And yes, I had to practice that word so many times standing in front of the mirror, Worcester sauce, Worcester sauce, say it the right way. But these are the three hardest things that you'll ever have to say. And so in marriage, get used to saying, I'm sorry, and I was wrong. And if you will do that, it will bring healing to the relationship. It will help you respond by the Holy Spirit. It's kind of a trickle-down effect that begins to happen. If you will start with forgiveness and recognizing your fault in the relationship. You know, one of the greatest things that you can even say as a leader Uh, that you can say as a parent, that you can say in any relationship is, I'm sorry, and I was wrong. Uh, There's an article that I found online from uh, a a website that's called For the Family, and it tells us three reasons why it's hard to say I'm sorry. Here's the first one, because it's easier for us to blame. Uh, We're good at the blame game. Uh, We can even see this early on in God's word in the story of Adam and Eve. Uh, Eve eats the apple, gives it to the husband, and he eats of it. And God shows up and looks at Adam and says, why did you sin against me? He said, it was this woman you gave me. It was her fault. Uh, Immediately, he opens up with blame. But then when you see God begin to address the serpent, which was Satan, uh, early on in the scripture, he too plays the blame game. And so when we use blame in our relationships, we're actually using the strategy of our enemy. That's how he tries to to get through things without saying, I'm sorry. He does not want to recognize his faults in the matter. And so we are quick to blame others. The second thing that makes it hard for us to say, I'm sorry, is because we fear failure. Many of us feel failure. We don't want to be a failure in life. We don't want to be a failure in our marriages. And so we do the best that we can to avoid this response. And instead, we uh, respond if our spouse comes to us and says, you know what? You were kind of hard on your kids. Uh, And in response to that, we'll say, oh, so you think I'm a terrible dad, huh? Right? That's kind of our go-to response because we're we're fearful that that's who we're going to become. But you know, a better response would be if your spouse comes to you and says, you know what, I think you were a little hard on your kid, would be to say, you know what, I think you're right. And then immediately go to your son, go to your daughter and say, you know what, I was too harsh and I would like to ask you to forgive me because I was wrong. And so here's why I know that's the correct go-to response, because that brings healing into the relationship. That recognizes fault, and it approaches them in this place of humility, and it helps everyone in the family. And so the second response that's difficult, the second reason that's hard for us to say, I'm sorry, is because we feel fear failure. And the third one is because we are prone to minimize our own sin. We are prone to minimize our own sin. You know, when I'm driving down the road and when somebody cuts me off in traffic, my response is like, ah, what were they doing? They're so stupid. Why would you ever make that kind of boneheaded move, right? That's our response. But what happens when you cut somebody off and they start honking, they maybe give you some gestures that aren't appropriate for church (laughs) you know maybe they stick their head out the window and start yelling at you you're like what's the big deal come on I made a small mistake 
I know I cut them off, but it re- was it really that big of a deal? You see, we're quick to, to minimize our faults, our, our, our shortcomings. But here's the thing I've also noticed is that we are also prone to magnify others' shortcomings. We minimize our own faults and we don't like to take our, uh, the, our own, recognize our own blame in the situation, but we are quick to say, but you did this wrong. And so that's what makes it so difficult to say, I'm sorry, and to, to be able to posture your way in this way of forgiveness and, uh, and growing in any relationship. And so here's a reminder that we spoke about last week that I want to bring back up in today's message. There's going to be some things that you've got to make a choice today to let go of. You can no longer hold on to unforgiveness and offense. Scripture teaches us that that gives the enemy a foothold in your life. That means that you open up the door and you allow him to start influencing that area of your life. And so we have got to be quick to release things, to to let go of things, to offer forgiveness to ask uh, uh, for repentance, to, to, to be repentive, excuse me. And so I think that's so important in our lives that uh, we need to forgive quickly and move forward and pass things as, as fast as possible. And so I want to encourage you today, forgive your spouse for that thing that you're holding on to. It's not worth it. That's allowing the enemy to have a foothold in that relationship. And so would you just let it go? Would you release forgiveness? I love this quote by a man named Landon Scott. And he says, an offended person builds the walls of their own prison. An offended person builds the walls of his own prison. You know, as I've been kind of praying and seeking the Lord this week, I felt like he said that offense is really trying to get at our church. Not just our church, but the big C church, the church as a whole. The enemy is doing all that he can to get us to this place of being offended, of being hurt, of holding on to unforgiveness. And so we have got to be quick to release those things. We've got to be quick to let it go. You know, our boys, Logan and Grayson, uh, they're kind of like twins, but they look nothing alike. Uh, Their DNA is actually not even the same. Uh, But from early on, they're just under a year apart and they've always just been super tight and and super close. And it's something we've always loved about their relationship because Camden and Hope, our oldest two, were not close. They were frenemies, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like they hated each other during the day. They fought all the time. But for whatever reason, when they were little, they wanted to go to sleep together in the same bed. And they were great then. And they wanted to stay up and laugh and have fun. And we're like, now it's time to go to sleep. Why are you being nice to each other now? All right. Can any other parents uh, attest to what I'm talking about? That's kind of happening in your home, right? Uh, so our kiddos are, are that way. And we love that about Logan and Grayson. But there are times that they get mad at each other. Uh, Christina talked a little bit about one of those conversations that happened in the car this morning uh, on the way to church, but uh, there are times here and there that one of them will hurt the other. Uh, And either it was something physically that happened because they were too rough or went too far while they were wrestling or or playing, or or maybe it's because they said something to hurt each other's feelings. And so the offender, regardless of who it is, uh, gets frustrated because uh, both of them are pretty soft-hearted boys, 
uh, and we'll, uh, they will usually feel bad about it and apologize later. But if the offended party is really hurt, they both tend to, well, well, I don't forgive you because it hurts. And in that moment, they're trying to come to them and say, I'm sorry, but they are unwilling to receive the forgiveness. And for many of us, that happens in the relationships that we're navigating. They're trying to offer forgiveness and reconciliation, but we are so hurt and offended that we say, too bad. I'm going to hold on to this hurt. I'm going to hold on to this fence. And our little boys, they'll, they'll run upstairs and they'll stomp upstairs. And before you know it, they're, they're slamming the door, which I might add is their shared bedroom. And so they really can't get that far away from their brother. Uh, it is their shared room and maybe slamming the door feels good in that moment. Uh, but it is really uh, hard for us, you know, as parents in that moment, not to just kind of laugh and to make light of the situation because it's so applicable in so many different relationships that you and I have seen. And we see the immaturity in that, but we too express it maybe just in a, in a different way. And the thing that we know is that they both love each other and they do feel uh, guilt and whatever was the sin in the situation, here's the reality. They're going to have to go to bed together in the same room because they sleep in the same room together. But not, but not only that, they are so close that they don't sleep in separate beds. They sleep together. But every single night when we go check on them later, they aren't sleeping in their bed. Every single night they make a pallet on the floor and they sleep as close to each other as they possibly can. And as a dad, I have taken so many pictures of their cuteness uh, sleeping next to each other. And so no matter what happened during the day, that's always how they end up at night. What if the same could be true in our marriages? That whatever hurt or offense that you're carrying around that you would recognize, you know what? We share the same bed. We, shame the, we share the same electric bill. We share the same kids and, and responsibilities. And so at the end of the day, we're going to be as close as we possibly can. And we aren't going to allow offense to separate us. That's how it needs to be in our marriages. Here's the truth. Neither one of you are perfect. Uh-oh. <laughs> there's some elbowing happening around the room. I see it. Neither one of you are perfect. Yeah, did you hear him? <laughs> Neither one of you are perfect. You're broken. But here's the beautiful thing. God knows you inside and out. He knows your past. He knows your present. And he knows what you're going to do in your future. But if you're his child if you've accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, and if you've surrendered your life to Him, somehow a perfect God that sees all your imperfections, He still gave up His life for you. He still said, I'm going to send my Son to the cross in order to pay for those sins. Even though we're imperfect, God recognizes that and said, you know what? You're still worth it. What if we could do the same in, in our marriages? What if you could fully accept the faults and hangups in your, in your spouse, even though that's who they are? You know, something else, like it or not, you're stuck with each other. You need each other. So don't give up on it. 
Apologize, forgive one another. You know, even if you lose sight of how beautiful and wonderful they are, always try to do your best to get back to this place of tearing down those walls that are trying to separate you. Ephesians 4.32 says this, Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You are forgiven by God the Father, and He is holy, He is perfect, He is without fault. And if He can forgive you in your imperfection, how much more should we be tender-hearted and quick to forgive one another? I want you to check out this next verse because this is very convicting. These are the words of Jesus in Mark eleven twenty-five. He says, "But when you are praying." First, forgive anyone you were holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Here's what I think that says. If you are holding on to offense, you aren't allowing the grace of God to be fully released in your life through forgiveness. And so let it go. Release forgiveness so that you in turn can be forgiven. Here's God's six rules for fighting fear. Stop to listen carefully. Guard your words faithfully. Handle your anger righteously. Do not react in emotion, but respond in the spirit. Confront to heal and never to win. And forgive and apologize. You see, we have got to be committed to seeking God. And as we are seeking Him, He is graciously going to help us to fight fear. He's going to give us discernment. He's going to give us His Holy Spirit. And as you're praying and seeking the Lord together, it is so hard to keep fighting with that one. That number two, it's so hard to to stay in conflict because as you're seeking him together and praying for one another, he's going to give you what you need so that you can be committed to fighting fear. And so in closing, here's the homework that I want to leave you with as we go into this next week. And as you're navigating relationships and you're navigating marriage, here's the the four things that I want to give to you as homework this week. Here's the first thing. I want you to create a note that you can put up somewhere that will remind you of doing this every day. And it's this. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to guide you as a husband or as a wife. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you in being a husband or a wife. You see, here's what I think oftentimes happens in life. We wake up in the morning and we say, Holy Spirit, would you lead me? Would you guide me today? Help me to, to love my coworkers well. Help me to care for my kids well. Help me to navigate all it is that I'm going to come into contact with today. Help me and guide me. But one of the things I think gets left out a lot of times in that prayer is help me be a, a spouse that loves and supports my wife, that loves and supports my husband. And so I want to encourage you to make a note of this. Maybe it's a reminder that needs to pop up in your calendar every morning at 7 a.m. Ask Holy Spirit to help you be the, that husband that he's called you to be today, to be that wife that, he, that you know that he's calling you to be. And so set a reminder to do that. Here's the second thing I want you to do. Find five positive things to say to your spouse this week. 
You know, we used that leadership principle just a moment ago. Anytime you need to bring correction in a situation, find five things that somebody's doing well and then bring in the one area of correction. But here's what I want you to do this week. Don't focus on the correction. Don't focus on the the concern. I want you to find five things that are outstanding in your spouse. And I want you to tell them that you've recognized it. Take some time this week and find five things and say, babe, you were doing this, 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 and this so well. Thank you. Watch what that's going to do in your marriage. (laughs) Watch what that's going to do in each other's life. I encourage you to, to identify those things and make sure you take some time to talk about it. Here's the third thing I want you to do. Practice saying, I'm sorry, when you're alone. Get in your mirror as you're standing there in the morning. Look at yourself in the mirror and practice saying three times a day, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I'm sorry, I was wrong. Here's what I know. Some of us don't do this very easily, but others of us are are really quick and prone to saying I'm sorry quickly. But here's the thing I want you to do. I want you to make this a normal part of your everyday running around life, recognizing your shortcomings and those, those areas where you're not who you should be, but saying I'm sorry and I am committing to being better. And so get comfortable saying that. So get comfortable saying it to yourself so that you can say it out loud to your spouse. And then here's the fourth one I want to give you that's a bonus. Sometime this week, actually say, I'm sorry to your spouse. Don't just look at yourself in the mirror and say it, but actually turn to that spouse and say, I'm sorry. And so for some of you, you're going to have to kind of warm up to this idea because this is going to be a foreign concept to you in marriage. Uh, because you're not quick to say, I'm sorry. So here's what you're going to need to do. You're going to need just kind of gently to, to brush up against your spouse. They could just say, oh, babe, I'm sorry. I bumped into you. <laughs> gently bump into your spouse this week. Not like a firm, like I'm taking you out kind of bump, but gently, purposely run into them and say, hey, babe, I'm sorry for running into you so that you can get comfortable with saying the words, I am sorry. And so I want you to take that step this week and tell one another something that you are sorry for. If you mess up and you fail, get back up, get on the horse, recognize it, express that area, and make a choice today to be a better man, to be a better woman, to be a better spouse, husband, wife, parent, And so let's ask the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us in our marriages today. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet with me? And as you're standing to your feet, I want you to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. And as you're bowing your head and closing your eyes, there's a question that we ask at the end of every single message. And again, I don't want this to ever become routine or kind of a religious thing that we do, but I want this to to be something that authentically comes from our heart at the end of every service. And I want us to say these words, Holy Spirit, what is it that you're saying to me? Thanks for tuning in. If what you heard today was inspirational or transformative, tell us about it. We love your feedback. For more information on how you can get connected, check us out at firmfoundation.church.